Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Vinny. I'm honored to be here. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that echo that you have on that promo. <laughs> No, I mean, I, oh my gosh, I wish that my voice is that good. Uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, when you outsource some things, people can do it better usually than you, right? And oh, that brings yeah. us to why people call action takers publishing, right? Exactly. And you know, it's interesting. Um, Brian Brian Smith, he's the founder of uh, Gaboots. And I remember reading his book, uh, The Birth of a Brand. And also I know him, he's a good friend of mine. And we were talking about... Um, about delegation, you know, delegating things. And so often people are scared to delegate for, you know, whatever reasons. We have so many different reasons that we'll come up with uh, for not delegating. And one of those reasons oftentimes is nobody can do it as good as me. And so Brian says, if you can find somebody who can do it 80% as good as you, is that good enough? And if so, go ahead and delegate to that person. And that is like one of the pieces that I, like myself, I grew up as a perfectionist. And so moving into that space of, yes, 80% is good enough. And, you know, sometimes even 50% is good enough. And that let's just move forward. So I just thought I'd bring that up because I thought it was an interesting thing you said there. Well, no, it, it, I mean, it's a value for time, right? I mean, if you're really good at, at one thing, right, and you're not that great at something else, right, where, where's the opportunity cost? To focus on something basically you can get someone else to do it that you said 50 percent 80 percent it takes them yet the cost for them to do that compared to what you what you have to pay yourself to do it it's it's a numbers game and even if you're good at it doesn't mean you should be doing it you know <laughs> i spent well, um 36 years in the corporate world and of those 36 years i had 49 jobs mm -hmm. so i got really good at a lot of different things i was the trainer i was always the computer trainer training everybody on all the programs we had and so i got really really good at that stuff um which i do love training but all those different elements that go into it i was a legal secretary for 20 years i worked for a judge in the court of appeals so i worked my way up the ladder which was part of my growth period in the corporate space all the skills that I learned during that journey, you know, huge journey, 36 years, I learned so many skills that yes, I can be doing them in my business, but it doesn't make sense for me to be doing them in my business. Because for me, it makes sense for me to be out there. It makes sense for me to be being interviewed. It makes sense for, like, you know, like the so-called rainmaker of the company, you know, so it doesn't make sense for me to sit here and organize things or to uh, get back to people on different phone calls or to get back on different emails and stuff. So it's really thinking about, yes, I'm great at that, but should I really be spending my time there? Is that going to bring any ROI into our company? So this, I, oh yeah, anyway, I can go on and on about that topic. <laughs> no, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, well, let's, I mean, you talked about kind of journey, you talked about history. I mean, let's, let's refresh people. I mean, we talk about, I mean, when you're five kind of ran away from home, came back, I mean, a people, people pleaser, um, some not so positive uh, relationships. I mean, kind of give us a fresher course of uh, who Linda uh, was. Yeah, well, I did. I ran away when I was five and I was gone for a week. And the first question people usually ask me is, where did you go? And I just went to the neighbor's house, so I was safe. But something happened in that week that I was gone. Nobody came to get me. What I didn't know, as remember, you're a five-year-old. You're this little five-year-old. What I didn't know is that my mom knew where I was and my mom knew I was safe. 
But because I didn't know that a belief created inside of me is that they didn't come to get me because they don't want me around and they don't love me. So when I ended up coming home, my mom brought me home after a week. When I came, you know, came home, my dad was a very volatile, abusive alcoholic. So I had a lot of fear of him already. But now with that new belief that they don't want me around and they don't love me, this is why they didn't come to get me. I've come home with a completely different idea and a different thought about who I am, what I'm all about, and that people just don't want me around. And so I lived the rest of my life based on that. So I had a lot of fears that were instilled within me, which those fears actually were um, indicative of my people pleaser mentality, which was the fear of not being liked, the fear of being judged. So many different fears wrapped up to, into that one um, people pleaser mentality. So I spent the next 40 something years being a people pleaser, having all these fears. And um, I ended up meeting a life coach at age 51. And 51 is what I say that that's when my life actually started. Because at age 51, this life coach helped me to see that I do have value, that I am a person that you know has worth. These are things I didn't believe about myself previously. So it really unlocked, started unlocking everything. So when I was interviewed by you last time, Vinny, I don't remember what I was doing because I was kind of at the beginning of my journey of entrepreneurship. And there were a lot of things that I had, you know, um, but going through the journey has what been what's gotten me to where I am today. And boy, I got to tell you, it's been an incredible up and down journey. I've invested, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in personal development in coaches and mentors and different programs. I've invested a lot of money, time, energy, effort, all of that stuff, you has gotten me to learn a lot about business. But finally, only about a year and a half ago, September of 2021, is when I said book publishing, like I had been doing book publishing for four and a half years, but I just did it for fun. I didn't know it was a way that you could you run a business and make money. I just never thought about it. So uh, a year and a half ago, I launched two books, eight days apart. Both of them hit number one international bestseller status in under eight hours. And I looked at that and I said, wow this is awesome. I love this. I love every aspect of it. I know what I'm doing and I'm damn good at this. This is what I'm going to do is book publishing. And so I jumped in full feet. I got rid of every other business. I literally cut at the knees everything I was doing. And I said, book publishing, that's it. Well, the next day when I made that decision, the next day, somebody called me out of the blue and said, I'm working on two books. Will you publish them for me? I believe that that was God sending this person in my path to say, okay, you're on the right path. Are you ready to go? Let's go. And so that's when I just like took off running, published over uh, well 12 books in a year and a half. And we're in the process of publishing eight more in the next four months. So talk about going full feet ahead, full speed ahead. That's what we're doing. That's the short version of my story, Vinny. <laughs> so at 51, um, that's when you got the coach, right? Yes, yes. Okay. How long did it take from the time that you started talking to, to that coach until you actually started seeing your own worth? Um, it was pretty quick. I'd say, you know, it, while I was living it, it didn't feel quick at all. But as I look back on it, it was probably about three months. I worked with her for a total of five months. Uh -huh. And 
I'm a very good student. So every week when she would give me what I like to call my homework assignments, every week when she would give me a homework assignment, I would complete the assignment. So I was working diligently on myself, on making sure I took the most advantage of the, my time with her. And people were on a weekly basis saying things like, wow, you're so different this week than you were last week. So my growth was fast as far as uh, you know, mindset shifts, believe in myself, uh, worthiness, um, starting to trust myself, like all these different issues that I carried into the, the baggage, you know, that I carried around with me for 51 years. So it was probably about three months that I started, that I started to see some shift, that I started to see some change, and that I started to believe in myself because mm. other people were believing in me, but I wasn't believing in me. And so, yeah, about three months, but that was just the start. There was a lot of growth to come from that. I had to first start to believe in myself before I could believe in myself wholeheartedly. What you do you remember what you started doing in those three months to actually have that rapid change? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So some of the the um, assignments that she gave me, I'll give this. This is one of my favorites that she did. She said, "I want you to make a list of five people. These are five people that you know." And that you know that they love you, like you, they want to be around you. Like these are these are positive people in your life. So make a list of five people, and then you call those people. And here's the exact exercise. I remember it so clear, it clear as a bell. This was nine years ago, and I remember it clear as a bell because it was so transformational in my life. So you call these five people, and when they answer, this is exactly what you say. I'm working with a coach. My coach says. Ask me to call you and ask you one question. When I walk into a room, what shows up? When I walk into a room, what shows up? And then they start answering. They might ask questions. If they ask you a question, like, what do you mean? You just say, when I walk into a room, what shows up? You don't give them any information. This is not time to help them figure out what you're saying. You're asking them a question. And then they'll rattle off some things. And when they do, you write them all down, write down every single thing they say. And then at the end of that, when they're done, they pause, you wait like a second, and then you say, is that all? And some will say yes, and some will say, no, there's this and that and this and that. And then if they go on with more topics, then you say, is that all? And you keep asking that until they say yes. When they're done, you say, thank you so much for your time. I'll call you later to tell you what that was all about. And then you call them later. So this exercise, what this did is this helped me to see all the amazing things that people saw about me that I didn't believe in myself, that I didn't mm -hmm. know about myself. So what I did is I wrote that list and I created uh, like a notebook that had all of those words in it. They were singular words, you know, like, um, you know, um, let's say a pioneer, fearless, all these different things that I didn't believe about myself. So I made this list. And I looked at the list every day. And here's what I said is if they see this in me, this is who I truly am. Hmm. If this is who I truly am, I got to believe this is who I truly am. So what I did is I, in my mind, I adopted their beliefs in me hmm. to be my own. I wasn't able to come up with my own affirmations because I didn't believe them. But those people believed me and believed in me. And so I adopted their beliefs in me to be my own. That was a process. I would say it probably took me about maybe four or five months every single day, hmm. accepting their affirmations to be my own, their affirmations about me to be my own affirmations about myself. You, you 
said three months that kind of the transition happened from, I guess, a negative mindset to a positive mindset. And then five months is kind of how much you had the coaching with that person. What, what ended up changing for you to actually leave the coaching with that person? Well, I had paid for five months and, you know, it was, it was amazing coaching that I had um, because it, it really created so much shift in myself. But I said, you know what, I want to do this on my own. I'm going to just go on my own and continue on. And what actually happened, I, I love that you asked that question because what ended up happening is I worked with her for five months until the end of November. So December of 2014, I'm on my own. I have no coach, but I had all the tools in my tool book, you know, toolkit that she gave me. And I was using those tools on a regular basis, but my growth was not very fast that month because I didn't have her. So January 1st of 2015, I woke up that morning and I said, I'm a, I was addicted to that positive change that was happening. And I want that again, but you know what? I have so many fears. Fears are stopping me from living my life. I'm going to break through a fear every day this year. So it was a decision I made in the spur of the moment to break through one fear every day for a year. And what that looked like is every morning when I woke up, I asked myself the question, what scares me? And then I laid in bed and I waited until that first fear popped into my head. And my commitment to myself was to break through that fear that day. I did that 365 days in a row. That was instrumental because I took all the tools that I had for my life coach and I used them in that year of fears. And I completely rid myself of the greatest fear on this planet, which is the fear of judgment. The fear of judgment is the number one fear. And so I completely rid myself of that because almost every uh, fear that came up every day, if I traced it back, I could trace it back to that fear of judgment. What were some of the, the, the fears? Yeah, there some of them are ridiculous as I look back at them, but they were real. So one thing I they, there's a saying that false evidence appears at uh, false evidence appearing real. And I say, uh, uh, that's not true at all. There's nothing false about my fears. They are real as real can be to me. They don't appear real. They are real. So some of the fears were things like uh, one of them would have been if I, if I had known you, Vinny, would have been being interviewed on Vinny's podcast. That would have been terrifying to me. Absolutely. Uh, one of them was um, go to, and some of them were very specific, like go to Denny's by yourself with, without oh. somebody, um, go to a movie by yourself, go shopping by yourself, go talk to a stranger in a Starbucks, go to a networking event and start a conversation, go to a networking event and, and walk into the room like you own the place. So these were a lot of the fears. And again, if you trace all of those back, it was related to judgment. That was my fear. Mm. At that time, at 51, when you were kind of transitioning, maybe this would have been 52 or that kind of ballpark, were your parents still alive? They were, let me see, what, what year was that? 2014. No, both my parents had passed. My my dad passed in 2008 and my mom passed in 2014, 2011. Before they before they passed, did, uh, did you guys get any kind of like conversation? Because I mean, that had to be a lot of weight on your shoulders of kind of how you grew up. I mean, did anything happen there? No, unfortunately, um, there were no conversations about anything. Um, you know, I, I hated my dad. He was a monster. And I, I literally saw him 
physically as a monster. That was my vision of him. And um, with my mom, I had a lot of resentment to her because she stayed with him for so many decades. And I felt that she was weak. Right. And that's why she stayed with him. My life coach, she taught me something. So my mom was already my mom, Deborah, passed away. And she taught me that. Well, what if you look at it in a different way? What if you look at your mom as strong for having stayed with him? And I was like, whoa, I never thought of, of flipping it around and seeing my mom in a different light. And so that was really helpful for her to, to bring that up to me. I will share, though, I did go on a forgiveness and a gratitude journey for my dad about, you know, maybe uh, three years after breaking through those fears. I decided that um, every day for 100 days, I do long things like this because yeah. I know how important it is for us to get them locked in. So every day for 100 days, I would tell a story from my past that was related you know, to my dad and I would be angry about it. And then I would say, you know what? I need to have forgiveness for him. So I would literally say, even though my dad wasn't alive, I would say, dad, I forgive you for this, for this that happened. And then I would turn it around to gratitude. And the gratitude would be that you know, I'm grateful that this happened because through this situation, I learned this. Or through this situation, I became this kind of person because of that situation. And I got to tell you, just going through that for 100 days in a row, it flipped the way I see my dad. I no longer see him as a monster. I see him as a flawed human being, like all of us are. And I saw that he just didn't know how to deal with these situations. I got to learn a lot from that. Now that you have a, a team in uh, a, a company, right? You're, you're managing people. How, how have you transitioned from managing yourself with affirmations to managing people? Oh man, that's been, <laughs> that has been a shift because, you know, first of all, I never saw myself as a leader and, um, but people would call me a leader when I, when I called people and I asked them those questions, what do you, you know, what shows up? They would say leader. And I was like, I'm a leader. I just didn't believe that about myself. But as I look back in my life, you know, in junior high school, I was responsible for all of the money in my, I was in band, you know, and I was responsible for all the money that was coming through. So I was a leader in that realm. I was a leader in many different ways, but I didn't see myself as a leader. So what this process did is it helped me to see myself as a leader so that I could lead with intention. Previously, I was a leader, but there was no intention. I was just doing, I was just doing me like, do you boo? That was me. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm able to take the skills that I have as a leader, but then implement it in a way where I'm actually doing it intentionally. And so now what I do, one, one things, one of the blessings that I had in having 49 jobs in 36 years is I got to see how so many different people run companies um, and manage people, leadership and all these different skills so I got to take what I loved and then change what I didn't love. And one of the things that I think was so important for, for me, at least as an ex-employee, was the reason I left those jobs. By the way, I was never fired. I quit every single one of those jobs. Mm -hmm. The reason I left was because I felt underappreciated. And I also was assigned tasks that I didn't like doing. So I got bored. So one thing I've discovered is that in business, that if we have people join us on our team, that the tasks that they're doing are tasks that they could do all day long, that those are the tasks we want to assign them. So don't sign, assign your virtual assistant to make phone calls if they hate making phone calls. 
because you're going to set them up for failure and they're not going to have that confidence in that. But if they love to do um, do design work, you know, assign them some design work and they will absolutely love it and they'll pour their heart and soul into it because they love the task that they're doing. So part of my leadership style is finding people who love to do the tasks that I'm going to assign them to do. And I don't want to assign them a whole you know, gamut of tasks because they will not excel in those and I'm going to set them up for failure. So the leadership, it's been interesting. I was a one, one woman show, you know, at the very beginning of my business, the first seven years. And it was a lot easier because I can organize myself and coordinate my own self. But once I started adding people into it, I had to create different systems and, and, you know, and learning to learning to delegate and say, it's okay, Linda, it's okay, Linda, they will get it done. They will get it done. And then be surprised that, wow, not only did they get a task done, but they got it done faster than I thought. And they did a much better job than I ever imagined. And they did a way better job than I could have done. And so it's just empowering people with their own skills and empowering them, lifting them so that they lift the company up all at the same time. So we now have a team of seven people. Oh my God. I never imagined I would have more than one. I I had a VA for like five years, one VA, but you know, having all those other people, it's been huge learning experiences for sure. What's that process been like? So when you're bringing on a new person, because you said that you, you find the people, you basically delegate activities that they like doing um, consistently, right? So mm-hmm. how do you find the right people to kind of fit the criteria that you're looking for? Well, I test people out. So I'll use a, a great example as um, finding our book cover designer. You, know, I do book publishing. And so there's all these different elements that go into book publishing. Now, remember, I did it all myself first. So I know every single step that needs to be filled. So when finding a book cover designer, um, I went to 99designs because I don't know anything about design. I went to 99designs, which uh, .com, which is a platform where people do design work. And I... Um, went and put in a bid. So what you do is you put in a bid and you um, ask people to send you designs. And I got like a hundred different designers send me these designs. One of them really stood out to me though. So I ended up um, having that person do my first book cover design. And then I said, oh, I'm doing another design. Will you do it? And then, so I found that this person was very reliable. And then I asked them to join my team. So that was the example of that is like, I'll go use platforms like Fiverr, Upwork. You use those platforms first to you know, pay a little bit of money to see if I can find somebody that's a fit for my team. And then I'll invite them to join my team, like literally to like, I'm, I'm going to message them directly. So when finding proofreaders, this has been an interesting one. I was a proofreader for the court system for 25 years. So finding, you know, proofreaders, I first would reach out to somebody and say, Hey, are you interested in proofreading? Cause um, a lot of our authors that when they submit chapters, we do a lot of Uh, collaborative books where they submit one chapter. A lot of our authors write really well. And so I asked, I would just reach out to them and ask them, did you write this yourself? Did you, um, did you edit and proofread this yourself? And if they said yes, and I say, if it was really good, right, I'll say, are you interested in doing some proofreading for me? And so I just asked them, they're like, yeah, I, I would love it. And so what I find is when we invite them to do something that they're they're already loving, that first of all, they're honored and blessed. You know, they feel blessed that you want them to be on the team. So I find those people who are already doing the task really, really well. And then I ask them if they want to join our team. And it's been, it's been amazing because the team we have, everybody 
really puts their feet to the fire and, and, you know, digs in and does all the work. And it's been amazing. What, what do you think has been the, the biggest um, kickback to, or not kickback, but biggest like hurdle for people wanting to actually use your services? Oh, I'd say, you know, you know, time and money are always the the two greatest objections that people have, if you're referring to that. And um, so what we do is we just talk to them and let them know that we're here to help them, to support them through the entire journey. You know, our team, we will get on calls with them if they're feeling stumped or, you know, because we're doing books, it's writer's block is oftentimes what's coming up. But we'll hop on a call with them and help them through that writer's block. You know, so we're doing what we can to make the process for them, our clients, as you know, make it a, a fun, easy, fast type of you know process. And, and it's been amazing because our testimonials that we have, we have lots of testimonials and just about every single person is like, you guys made this so easy and fun for me. And, you know, that's my goal is to just keep our eye on that. Like as far as our core values that, you know, fun and easy is at the top of our core values because we want them to keep coming back. We want them to refer people to us. And so I'd say, yeah, time and money are the two greatest uh, stumbling blocks, I think, in most business endeavors, you know, for people. Where, where do you uh, plan to take um, action takers publishing? I mean, if, if I know, <laughs> I think you said 2019, I have to look, see, I mean, that's basically, I mean, four years ago. And I know I asked, I, I pretty, I might have asked a question, like, where do you see yourself in five years? But let's, <laughs> let's go again. Let's, where do you see yourself in five years from now? What I, here's what I love about this question, Vinny, because when you asked me that question five years ago, I had a vision of where I saw myself in five years. But here we are four years later, and I am nowhere near that vision that I had four years ago. So what I, what I like to, how I like to answer this question is, why would I limit myself today in where I could possibly be in five years? So I don't envision five years out. What I have, though, is more of like a legacy vision. My vision is for like when I'm gone. And the vision is that we, our mission is to empower 5 million women and men to share their stories with the world, to create a greater impact on the planet. Our stories matter. And I didn't know this until I started sharing my story and the impact that it has had on other people, the, the um, action that they have taken because of hearing my story. And these, this is the power of our sharing our stories. So so again, the reason I love that question is because I used to answer it and I used to like, oh, five years and I would map it out. But then I met somebody you know, a week later who changed the trajectory of my business, who changed the way I see myself, who helped me to get on a different path that was that actually all of these different paths that I've taken throughout the last one, well, I'm going to be 60 soon. So all the paths that I've taken on those 60 years has gotten me on this path, the legacy that I'm leaving behind. And so- where do I see us in five years? I don't see us in five years because I don't want to close the box on it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so, so many choices, so many options. And sometimes we, I mean, like you said, we shoot for whatever we want to, wherever we want to be. And we, we don't hit there. We get kind of deflated by the whole thing, but it isn't. Yeah. Um, something that's kind of newer. And by the time this episode comes out, I'm not really sure what will be with uh, artificial intelligence. I'm curious and intrigued, especially with someone that's um, such a good writer. And uh, for me, it's I, I outsource a lot of my writing for the real estate stuff. I mean, how how do you how do you envision um, AI kind of factoring into 
book writing and publishing in the future? Yeah, I, I love this question because the AI, you know, what was it, November of 2022, when ChatGPT, you know, took the world by storm and got, you know, announced to the world that there's this free AI platform that we can use. I had already been using a platform called Jasper.ai and Jasper is the same exact thing, but it, it's been around and it's a paid version. So the difference between Jasper and ChatGPT is there really isn't much difference. And I think actually one of them uses the other platform you know, mm. to operate. So um, uh, first of all, I'm not a writer. I've never been a writer. I've never been interested in writing hmm. and I've never been a reader either. So when you said that, thank you so much for the compliment. That just shows how much growth I've had in that space. Well, spent- well, let, let me jump in fast. Maybe I'm just really, really bad. I mean, there was a, um, I think for this platform right here, uh, Linda shared on, on social media, kind of a, um, I don't know, a blurb and a, a, I'm probably not giving enough credit because it was multiple paragraphs of kind of her feelings and her emotions. And for me, it was like reading a book. So oh, maybe wow. it's just relative to me. Thank you, Linda. Oh, no, thank you. Gosh, I just got goosebumps all over from that because Vinny, I spent my whole life saying I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. And when I jumped into my first collaboration book, because this whole process of me doing these books started with me jumping into somebody else's collaboration book. And then after I broke through a a fear every day for a year, my mentor, he's like, you need to write a book about that. So I did. It took me a year and a half to write it because I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. I was not a writer, but I finished it, you know, and I had somebody read it and they said, it was like reading somebody, you know, somebody's eighth grade report. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, you know what? But at least I did it. At least. I did it. <laughs> and so anyway, the, those, what's happened is since that time, since that very first book, I'm now at this at the time of this recording, I'm now a 22 times number one international bestselling author. And that would never have happened had I not said yes to the very first book. And because of that, the process, I've become better and better and better. Now, I never compare myself to people like I used to. In the past, I would compare myself. Oh, I'm not J.K. Rowling. I'm not Stephen King. So that means I'm not a writer. That's what my mentality was. But now, I am a writer. We're all writers. And if you're posting something on social media, you're a writer. You just might not be one that compels people to move into action, or you may not be one that writes a very good sales letter to move people to purchase something from you, right? So there's so many different writing styles. We're all writers though. So with that said, uh, first of all, thank you for that compliment. It got me a little bit emotional when you said that. So I appreciate that. But AI, so what I love about AI is it helps us. It gives us ideas. You know, we just recently wrote a book called How to Write Your Book, The Fast, Fun, and Easy Way. And we had already written the vast majority of the material. And that's when we thought, you know what? Um, ChatGPT is, is out there. People are talking about it. They're using it. Let's see if we can make our book sound better. So we started like plugging some of our stuff into ChatGPT and playing with it just to see what happens. So where do I see AI? I see it as a tremendous, tremendous tool that can help us with our books, with our content, with our emails, with with, um, landing pages, websites, anything that you can write, ChatGPT and or I I use Jasper also. I also use one called QuickWrite. I have three different AI tools that I'm using for writing. And so anything that we can do for writing, we can utilize AI to help us. It's an aid. It's a tool. It's not a replacement. 
Now, yes, some of the things that it comes up with are going to be great. You're going to be like, wow, that's awesome. I should just copy and paste that. Just be careful. You know, plagiarism is not something that is, um, it's, it's kind of frowned upon. But if you want to plagiarize, go plagiarize. It's all up to you. You know, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do. I'm just saying, be careful. Now, here's another thing is those artificial, remember, it's artificial intelligence. It's not real intelligence. It's artificial. So what this means is whatever questions you ask it, the output from it is going to be based on that question that you ask it. So the output is only as good as the input. Mm-hmm. And there's no emotional attachment in chat GPT. So your stories that you have that can relate to that topic, you're going to need to add those. You're going to need to add those yourselves. You can actually ask chat GPT to write a story about XYZ. Yesterday we were playing around and, and we said, chat GPT, Write me a write me a love story about a meatball that meets another meatball and they fall in love. And it wrote this whole story about how these meatballs met. You know, so, so it's it's fun. You can use it. Uh, the great a great tool. But if you're going to put something out there, I think just make sure that you're not plagiarizing tool. You know, plagiarizing. There are a lot of plagiarizing uh, checking tools out there. Just Google it. You'll find a bunch of them. Um, but then also, what I love about it is it really helps you start to think differently. Because what I found, Vinny, is I found that I started asking better questions. Yeah. So like, I already knew a lot of the answers for the questions I was asking because I was asking related to book publishing. But then I was like, oh, I don't really like the response it gave. Oh, I didn't really like that. Oh, I need to ask a different question. I need to ask a better question. And I just kept uh, you doing different things to ask it. So I think it's a winner. And you know, my vote is you know, use it as much as you can. And, and just, you know, come up with those better questions and utilize it as the tool that it's meant to be. It's an addition for you, a tool to put in your toolbox. Like my life coach gave me, I'm using those tools. I'm using ChatGPT as a tool and I, it's here to stay. It's here to stay. Might as well adapt. Well, it'll be interesting too. I mean, cause like, I know my cousin sent me over a website that you can do um, pictures. So artificial intelligence for pictures, yep. right? And he goes, it took me 50 statements before it came up with a picture that I was kind of thinking of in my head. And so it'd be interesting to see how our imaginations as a a society is kind of expanding, right? Because you're only as good as your imagination, right? right? So it'll be interesting to see how over the years, how a younger generation basically expands on their imagination, the possibilities. And usually, I mean, innovation comes out of imagination, uh, at least the way I look at it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I know uh, Ron Klein. He's the um, the inventor of the credit card magnetic strip, which is like a huge invention, right? And he says it's not an invention at all. It's actually an innovation. There are already mm-hmm. ideas out there, and I just um, lumped them together, and I created this credit card magnetic strip, which he's absolutely amazing. I oh, I'd love to see if I can get him on your show if you would like to interview him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I always appreciate it. Well, thank you so, so much, Linda. I mean, I think for everyone listening, I think there's like, go listen to the, the first one we had, but you can just tell the, the confidence Linda had. And I never met her before, basically, the, uh, her 51-year-old self. So I can't, I mean, I can't attest to her being so shy and all that kind of stuff because Linda is the person that I know today that's so confident, I mean, so bubbly, and she has a network of people out there that, um, are trying to, to grow and expand. So, I mean, for, for someone out there that maybe is scared of who they are and think, you know, you know what, 
I, I'm not going to change, or this is who I am, right? I'm, I'm X amount in, into my years, 51 years old. I mean, 51 years old. That's, I mean, that's, that's a long, long time of being who she was to being who she is today. So whoever you are today doesn't mean that's who you have to be tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe. Please share. Go in the known show notes and go find Linda. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.